Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, I'm Ellen Rohr. At Fairbones Biz, we believe that business can be a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom. Sound good? Great. Welcome to the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. Hey, if you just want to make more money, yeah baby, you've come to the right place too. On my show, I invite smart business builders to share success tips and tell their inspiring tales of challenge and triumph. So, saddle up, biz builder. The Bare Bones Biz Radio Show starts right now. Woohoo! Hello, Miss Susan. I'm so glad you're going to join us today for Bare Bones Biz Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's just great fun being here. It's really fun, and you know, I started this radio show because I am always inspired by successful business people, and I thought, well, if I enticed you on the show and we got to know each other a little bit, I could learn something, and I know our listeners will too. So, thanks for joining us today. And uh, well, if you're just you. calling in, um, you can you can ask a question. Susan, are you okay uh, uh, if I interrupt you now and then with a question from one of our callers? Oh, ab- Absolutely, that's fine. I have to give a disclosure up front. I may not know all the answers, but I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I like to say, there are no stupid questions, only stupid people. Just kidding. No, not really. (laughs) We love questions, and uh, it makes the show a lot more fun. So if you call in, we have room for uh, a couple dozen uh, folks to call in, and then you can also listen online. If you want to ask a question, just call into the, uh, the the radio show number, which is 347-637-2284. Or you can listen online and uh, participate that way. We're so glad to have you on the show. Now, today's topic is absolutely timely. It's about reinventing your business and rebounding from tough times. And, you know, before we get started, Susan, I was talking to a friend of mine today, another business builder, and she said that she is face-to-face with this realization that she has to reinvent her business. She has two divisions, and one of her divisions is absolutely sucking the time, the life, the money right out of it. And she said she feels paralyzed. And I said, the show is going to be perfect for you today. (laughs) So I think you're going to be talking uh, directly directly to her. So I'm glad glad you're on the show. I've got on my um, website at barebonesbiz.com on the Blog Talk Radio page. We put a beautiful picture of Susan. You're absolutely lovely. And her Thank a little you. bit of information about her and a link to her new uh, television um, show a site where you can catch some segments of It's Your Biz with Susan Solovic. So we're excited about that. I've also got a couple of bullet points that I'm going to go through. Now, Susan, I'm going to use this as a rough outline of our discussion today. Okay. You are free you're free to take this show wherever you like, though, and I may uh, interrupt or, or come up with a question as you as you visit, and we'll freeform it a little bit. And as mentioned too, I'll interrupt with uh, uh, you know when a caller raises his or her hand, you can do that by pressing the number one, and I'll interrupt Susan and, and we'll ask the question. Hey, before Great. we get started, why don't you share a little bit about? yourself and your life and some of the salient points of your varied career. You have quite an amazing resume. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to be a business guru and the path that you took to get here? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I spoke at my undergraduate alma mater uh, recently, and one of the things I said to the incoming freshman class is, you know, I'm a 52-year-old woman who's still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. 
But nice. I, the reason, yeah, I, the reason I said that was I remember sitting in that chair when I was a freshman and thinking, you know, everybody wants me to know what I want to do right now, and they expect me to, to say this is going to be my major and this is going to be my life's career, and you don't know. And I, for some reason, and I don't know how this happened, it probably was just some kind of uh, naivete on my part, but I've always been the type of person that's had this wide-eyed curiosity about everything, and I, I was so interested in so many things that literally when it came time to get ready close to graduation, my my uh, college counselor sat me down and said, you know, Susan, you're going to have to pick a major one of these days. <laughs> and I said, well, what do I have the most hours in? And she said, well, history and political science, and I said, then that's my major. I mean, I, it, that's kind of how I picked it. And um, I've always just been one to seize opportunities. So to answer your question, um, I actually, my mother was an entrepreneur, my mother and father both, but I, my mother had me at later years, and um, was an entrepreneur actually toward the end of World War II when her first husband uh, died in World War II. And so she's kind of a you know, this kind of novelty, really, and I I didn't think about that when I was growing up. She was just my mom, um, and especially since I grew up in a very small town, but I think she really um, gave me this sense of how to kind of make money and how to see opportunities, and I started my first business when I was 15 years old, and I was always just fascinated with the concept of how people can really spot opportunities, see an opening in the marketplace, provide a market solution, and build your own thing. But my parents wanted me to go to college and go to work for a big company, and, you know, that's what they could see is I was going to retire and, you know, be with this big company because they never had that opportunity. And honestly, I, I went that track for a while, but the first big corporation I ever worked for, I left after three and a half years, started my own business, which was an advertising and PR firm, and I call it my very expensive MBA because okay. I opened this firm, and I what I realized, which was very, um, uh, you know, I was a novice, but I let a big client get to be about 90% of my business, and that company went bankrupt and out of business. And there I sat. So I closed down that business, and I ended up going back to corporate America. And while I was working my way up the ranks um, with a, this Fortune 100 company, and I actually became executive vice president and director of corporate marketing for this international finance division of this firm, um, I also went to night law school and got a law degree. And you were just I, an overachiever, uh, girlfriend. Well, I told you, I've, got, I've, just, I've always had this like insatiable desire just to try things. And so uh-huh. when my, my division of the company I worked for was sold to Deutsche Bank, I left and I decided I would try to practice law. And while I loved law school, I hated the practice of law. But instead of looking at that as saying, oh, you know, this is, I failed at the practice of law, I'm no good at it, blah, blah, blah. I realized that I saw another business opportunity, and that is I had recognized both in the corporate world and then having worked um, in the areas of employment discrimination and doing a lot of domestic work, I recognized that there were a lot of inequities that women face, both in the business world and in our personal lives. And I felt that I could do a better job as a communicator, helping women understand some of the obstacles that we create for ourselves that prevent us from getting to where we want to go in our personal and business lives. And so I started a business called Susan Says, which uh, it was actually called Susan Says. I had a class, a women's entrepreneurial class, that I was teaching at the time I launched this business. And um, 
the, the class actually came up with the name, and it was called Susan Says Because Women Have Done What Simon Says All These Years, It's Time to Do What Susan Says. And uh, that's nice. when I started, yeah, writing books on and uh, doing some motivational speaking. But then I uh, have saw the opportunity to start uh, SBTV, and really for the last seven years, SBTV, which is small business television, and it's a um, video news and information site for small businesses, um, it, you know, it has really consumed my life because we were a startup that went to a multi-million dollar organization in a matter of a couple of years. So we really were on a rapid growth pace, and it's just been the last really six months that I've been able to now step away from my role of really being in the trenches day-to-day with the business and step back out again and say, okay, I'm going to get back in touch with who I am and what I really want to do and what I'm passionate about instead of being in the day-to-day operations of the business. So there's a president running the business now, and I'm doing some of these things like Bear Biz Bones Radio Show. <laughs> woo Well, um, let me interrupt just a moment. If you joined us a little bit late, let me introduce you to Susan Solovic. Am I pronouncing your name properly? Yes, that's great, Ellen. Okay, and um, Susan has SBTV, Small uh, small Business Television, as well as a new television show called It's Your Business with Susan Solovic. That's so exciting. I want to hear a little bit more about that in uh, in a few minutes. And um, she's also, you can tell by your story already, you're such an appropriate person to talk about this. She's also going to introduce us to the, the idea of reinventing your business and rebounding from, from rough times. I like the way you share your story because, really, as one door closes and another door opens, you're, you're really not slowed down at all here, are you? You're building on one experience into the next as opposed to letting yeah. it throw you under the, under the covers for months at a time. Well, no, you know, I, you understand this is the Reader's Digest abbreviated version. So. Oh, you did go on the cover. Right. Yeah, I did. I mean, and I think everybody has to. And you know what? It's okay. You have to give yourself permission to grieve and, say, you know, go through whatever hurt or emotion you need because denying that isn't healthy. I mean, we just cannot deny ourselves those emotional feelings. But then there comes a point in time where you say, okay, I threw myself the pity party. You know, I'm done now, and it's time to clean up and and get out of here and go home. And so you just learn from those experiences instead of staying in that place because that's only harmful. And honestly, I will tell you this truthfully, every time I've had something that didn't turn out, now notice I'm not going to use the word failure, didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, the next thing that happened was even better. So, you know, it's just sort of like it was like this blessing in disguise. And so I look back on experiences now and say, wow, as rough as that was, you know, look what it brought me and what I did as a result of that. And if it hadn't have been for that, I probably wouldn't have done this other thing. So you've got to look for the positives in those things. Otherwise, Everybody has bad stuff that happens to them, whether it's in your business or in your personal life. Bad things happen to all of us all the time. And you know what? The difference is how you react to those things and whether or not you let them consume your life. And that's a choice you make, not those circumstances. They don't make them for you. You know, as you say that, I started, I'm relating so much to, to what you're saying, and I've started to realize that maybe it's a function of age. I mean, if you and I live to be 100, we're middle-aged, so that's, that's cool, right? And uh, maybe it's having enough experience to see that 
those things do turn around. Like if you don't get that really great deal and it turns out that that company goes out of business or turns out to be an right. awful partner, you go, oh, okay, that was maybe a better thing that I didn't get that opportunity and it left me open to take advantage of a, another one. And I think that right. perhaps that's what reinvention is all about is just chilling enough to realize that the downturn may be the, the springboard to the, the next um, the next great experience. And things change. You know, I put this on our, our little handout we call these the D's, divorce, disaster, death, disability, even debt can change your perspective, can change your situation. And when economic times um, hit, now I'm not a big fan of, of, uh, of using that as an excuse, but sometimes things do happen that are out of your control and you find yourself hit with one of the D's. This is a good time to... Um, uh, challenge yourself to reinvent yourself. So let's uh, let's get to the, the meat of the, the discussion a little bit. Hey, if you want to interrupt us, go ahead and raise your hand. Oh, we have a question already. Are you ready? Okay, great. Okay. Let's see where we go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the line, and the last four digits of your phone number are 4967. So interrupt uh, in, uh, or in, uh, announce yourself, say your name, and uh, ask a question. Uh, yes, uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name's Tim. Hey, Tim. Hi, this is this is a, an enlightening program. Uh, uh, thank you for this. Oh, you bet. We're glad to have you on the show. What would you like to ask? Um, I, I've kind of been sort of my—I don't know if it's, I've been my own victim or a prisoner or what of uh, of what I uh, jokingly tell people. I'm kind of going through a bit of a, like a financial and maybe uh, within reason of an employment holocaust for the since I guess 2000 and uh uh 2003 2004 somewhere on that and and uh you know that it's more like uh you know and I'm also you know it doesn't help that I'm middle aged and a little bit underemployed that type of thing but it's like eh, a lot of my ventures as it were because I uh when I first started uh Working uh, a little bit with some of these uh, HYIPs or high yield investment programs, uh, they also they're pretty much a lot of them pretty much cratered and for obvious reasons. And I started going to see some of these other things that are like uh, okay. So Jim, Jim, where where are you now? What what do you want to ask Susan? Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to go either the job route again, or I'm also trying to. Um, but I haven't given up on my dream to, to try to do something that's you know venture a home based you know business type of thing. But also I'm I'm concerned about um, you know I'm looking at oh maybe uh, getting involved with some of these uh, gold and silver um, ventures as it were, but mainly uh, out of self defense more than just you know speculation in that regard. So I'm well, let me can, can I um, just recap here a little bit. First off, before I turn this over to Susan, Tim, quit telling people that your life is a holocaust in any way, shape, or form. That word okay. has got to go. Thank you, yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm Susan, not Jewish, but... <laughs> in any event, you, you know, you define yourself like that and no good thing comes of it. So um, okay. Tim sounds like he's pretty stuck. What advice could you give to him? And I don't think he's alone. I think he's... he's uh, right representing what a lot of people feel when they find themselves themselves kind of middle-aged and, and uh, uh, not where they thought they'd be. How do you get unstuck? Well, I think, first of all, um, I hear a lot of things in your explanation of where you are and kind of poking around, well, I might do this, and then you said 
from the gold and center silver venture funds that uh, you might do just more on self-defense. You know, I, you're focusing a lot on what you don't want rather than what you do want. And as long as you stay focused on what you don't want to do or what you're not liking about your career or this or that, you're going to keep attracting more of the same stuff. So when you focus on what you do want, and that's, I can't tell you what that is. I mean, I, you know, you're going to have to figure that out for yourself, and that might take a little time of sitting down with just a plain old piece of paper, you know, legal pad, and, you know, sketching out some things and trying to put a business plan and an action plan together. But once you get that idea in your head, focusing on that and then acting as if it is, so you've got to get your head there first before anything else is going to happen. And, you know, when we first launched SBTV, I mean, people came to me and said, you're like nuts. Video on the Internet is never going to work. Now, if I had sat back and listened to them, where would I be today? You know, but instead, I just kept focused on what I could see, and I started acting even though we were like this little peanut of a nothing website you know, I kept acting like we were this big media conglomerate. And if you don't act it and you don't become it today, what you want to be, then you're going to stay back where you are. And so, you know, you're just, to get unstuck, you're going to just really have to let go of this baggage and sit down and give yourself time to say, okay, these are the definite things I want and this is what I'm going to focus on and I'm going to not be even discussing this other stuff because it's it's dead to me. It's over. Here, here. So, Tim, watch your words, and it's going to take some discipline to change the, right. the way you, you're thinking now and the way you're acting. So you came to some tough love here with the sisters. <laughs> well, yeah, that that makes sense. I know what you're what you're getting at there, and and, and really, yeah, it, it's one thing. Than done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, I was, you know, you had you had mentioned about you know uh, 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 what I don't want type of thing and. And it's almost like uh, whenever I've tried to do some of these ventures, because that's my ultimate goal was to become somewhat, you know, a, a, an entrepreneur in the sense that uh, these are things that I know I can do well, but I've gotten into situations where I got into some, you know, scam, you know, victimizations type of things. And I realized that. They say, okay, well, that's kind of the nature of the beast in, in certain areas. So that, for some reason, I have not ever let that go. Now, in the meantime, you're right. I've got to, you know, yeah. uh, I've come up with several these business plans, but it, it's not. It's something that I probably have not either done enough of, or perhaps I need to get just go for, through a few more iterations of this type of thing. Yeah. Um, I want to. Well, I, I keep jumping in, Susan. I feel like you and I are so aligned. You know, we we've. Really, this is the first time we've met, but I'm loving your philosophy here. I want to say one thing and then uh, uh, let you transition here to our, our next point. Thanks, Tim, for sharing. Thank you. What I find in my own life and when I counsel with other clients to help them build their business is it takes discipline. If you wanted to be a martial artist, you would have to practice. If you want to change the way you think and believe and act, you have to change the ingrained thoughts and behaviors that have now kind of been supporting you and defining you for, for the last, you know, seven years. So it's not going to happen right. until you engage in a practice of more disciplined thoughts and action. And so, Susan, does that make sense to you? Uh, it totally does. And the other thing I think is, 
Um, he was saying he's thought about some entrepreneurial ideas, but he hasn't really, you know, I, I think that he may not really, he, he may be thinking he wants to do that or telling himself he wants to do it, but I don't think he is really committed to doing that because people who really want to be entrepreneurs, they're they're fast action people because they they see it, they identify it, they create the vision, and they go for it. And, um, I mean, they also do their research and their homework, but getting paralyzed by perfection is one of the procrastination techniques that people do when they're really not committed to it. So it's, you know, I hear him, well, I haven't really, you know, I don't know if I've got enough of this or that or several iterations. You know, I, I hear this paralyzation by perfection, and at some point you just have to say, okay, I've got enough, I'm going to go for it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do whatever it takes and get the extra education or pull in the people who can help me get to where I want to go and make this thing happen. Tim, we're throwing down the glove. We're throwing it down, baby. Thank you for asking. Hey, can um, can we take another caller? you got the, the phone lines lighting up over here. Great. Okay. Now, if your phone number ends in 6569... I'm going to open up the line. State your name and your question. Hi, my name is Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. How are you doing? Um, so Can my question is, it's not so much a question, it's a statement that might help the last caller as well. Um, we've had a You are thoughtful. Let's hear it. <laughs> we've had a business that's going on six years now, and we were honestly kicking some serious butt in the first uh, three-plus years. And then we had a car accident, and because my husband and I are the – we run the company. We had 17 jobs each we figured out. Um, it was a <laughs> wow. pretty much a disaster, <laughs> and everything tanked um, big time. So we kind of struggled along for two years. I had tremendous neck injuries, couldn't dance anymore, depressed, 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 bad, bad, bad. But what I found from that is that when I started to come out of it and I said, okay, I need to rethink this entire thing, I was able to make a pros and cons list and really, really figure out what we wanted to do with the business instead of letting the business run us, which is what it was doing prior. And now I love the company because we've, we've figured out what we could do with it. We completely reinvented it. We took out the things that didn't work. We brought in the things that do work and that we really love, and now it's a joy. So listen to the energy of Stephanie's yeah. uh, of voice right here. Stephanie, that gives me goosebumps. I know you're on the right track, girlfriend. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it, it's yeah. so much better when you actually want to do your business and you really need to look at it and decide what you want. And things will happen just because you're making really clean lines of what's good and what's not working for you. Is it right. is it um, too much of a stretch for me to suggest that, that the accident was actually uh, a springboard in your life in some oh, way? huge, huge. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And Tim, take some counsel from that because uh, I think that, you know, sometimes it's when um, accidents or tragedy or those Ds, you know, divorce, disaster, that's what we were talking about, that it can right. really change your life. But, um, uh, Susan, go ahead and share. Well, I was just going to say the one thing I, that I that concerns me, and I think she's brought up, and I, I don't know if they've addressed this as, as they've reinvented their business, but one of the things that I think people who start businesses um, do is they get in a situation where they don't really create a business, they create a job and an income stream for themselves. Yeah. So, it, you know, and, and when it happens, something like that happens, the disaster, um, you get hit by the bus, 
then your income stream stops too, and it is disastrous um, in more ways than one. And so, you know, one of the things that I think people should do is when they're starting businesses is to think about that business being bigger than themselves. And it's what I call the My Top Theory, multiply yourself through other people. And when you build a business, you want it to become sustainable on its own. You want it to be, you know, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, that the business is going to go on. And it can survive these these issues that we might face. And the other great thing is, as you grow an organization like that, we all know how hard it is running a small business on your own. As you grow an organization, suddenly you find that now you can hire the resources and you can hire the talent that you need and you can even actually take a vacation if you want to without constantly being tied to your, you know, smartphone or your computer or whatever else and so fearful that something's going to happen while you're gone on vacation because you have built a business, not an income stream. Very nice. So this is a a good way, Stephanie, for you and your husband. Have you expanded? Do you have um, uh, more of an organization now that you have so you can get rid of some of those 17 jobs? Yes, absolutely, because the car accident limited me um, physically, so I had to hire mm-hmm. employees. But actually, it was a really good thing, because I'll do everything and just say, oh, you don't have to. So this was right. the, the way the universe forced me <laughs> to uh-huh. hire people that have to do other things for me. So it's been very beneficial. Oh, well, thank you for calling in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having awesome. me here today. Hey, uh, Susan, one one thing that you said earlier that got my attention is that um, I hate to be kind of reverse discriminatory, but certainly women um, and men in business have not always been treated the same and opportunities have not always been the same. I'm a huge fan of that show Mad Men, and it wasn't that long ago that those um, uh, barriers were so big and so strong, right? Right, right. There is a, a gal named Gail Evans. Have you heard of her? She wrote a book called... Uh, yes, I know Gail, yes. I think she's adorable. Yeah, And her yeah, book title, absolutely. I think, well, it, sa- it says a lot. The book title is um, Play Like a, a Man, Win Like a Woman. And, and her concept was you may not want to play by the rules and you don't have to, but it helps to, to know what they are. So along the right. lines of, you know, as you reinvent your business, there's this balance between knowing what could work in your industry and knowing what the rules of the game are, not just for men and women, but maybe for your industry mm-hmm. as well, and then balancing that against being the one to go the other direction and to really take a quantum leap in your industry. How do you balance that? What are the advantages of, of, of taking a, a nod to the industry versus branching out and doing something revolutionary? How can you use that awareness to reinvent yourself in your business? Well, I think that even if you are doing something that's sort of not mainstream, I think that it still doesn't mean that you don't follow good, sound business principles. So, you know, you can you can do something that's unique and different. You can offer your product or service in unique and different ways. You can come up with a new, totally new invention. But really, the basics still apply. And so you're going to have to recognize, and particularly as a woman, that there are going to be certain obstacles that you're going to face, and you can either whine about it or you can say, okay, this is the way it is, and now I'm going to just have to deal with it and get beyond it. And so, you know, you may not like it. You may not totally agree with it. But my philosophy is as long as you're not doing something that's unethical or lacks integrity or is going to intentionally harm someone else, 
then what you need to what you focus on in business and the way you get things done is you make the commitment that I'm going to get it done, I'm going to do what it takes to get where I need to go, and I'm going to do it with deliberation and discipline and putting before, you know, behind it the, the energy that I need to make it happen. I like that idea because business, you know, um, when I work with clients, I always start with the money. Just let's at least get the yeah. scorecard figured out. Let's, let's figure out what you have for assets, liabilities, and equity. As a consultant, what I, I, I kind of fell into that because no bad thing came from getting that part handled. I couldn't make it worse, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. You see where we are. And then right. from uh, laying out the scorecard, then what I discovered is, okay, now we know if the um, energy that you put into something or the um, action that you take is a, is winning. If we make more money or we have more assets or we reduce debt, then that those are good indicators. So those right. principles always apply. you got to charge more than it costs. You know, right, you want to right. grow assets and not shrink assets. So I like that idea of, you know, stick to the basics in terms of your uh, uh, creating a viable business and then get creative as far as approaching your marketplace. Right. One what of the you... things that I really that really gets me upset is um, business um, speakers and gurus and such, Ellen, that I want to tell the marketplace that as long as you're passionate about what you do, you can't help but succeed. And what I use, I always say in rebuttal to that is passion isn't going to make your payroll. And so, you know, it's not that I don't believe in passion because it's sort mm-hmm. of like uh, the caller who was talking about um, loving what they do now and loving their business. You know, you do have to have passion for it, and you do have to love it and enjoy it because mm-hmm. that is what gives you energy. And that's what gets you up early in the morning and gets you going and, you know, allows you to work the kind of crazy hours that you have to work to build the business. Otherwise, your life would be miserable. But it it is not the key, the single key to success. It is one of many aspects of what it takes to build a successful business. And, you know, it, it fails. It creates this false sense of security that, well, as long as I'm passionate, I don't have to worry about all the other stuff. And that just isn't true, and it's really a disservice to people who are starting and growing businesses. I think so. And I, you know, I didn't learn in business. You know, you talked about your your college career. I ended up picking business as a major for almost the same reasons that you picked uh, your your major by default. I figured uh-huh. everything is business one way or another, right. and I was interested in a lot of different things. So I thought, uh, you know, I'll be a uh, I get a degree in business administration, and I tell the story. I graduated the top student in my class, and I didn't wow. know how to balance a checkbook. <laughs> I was great at school. I was great at school, yeah. and then I went into uh, you know my career, and I got some support from the other people I worked with. I had a whole bunch of jobs, and I worked with some really smart people. But when I quit my real job and went to work in the family business, I almost tanked it because I thought I should know what I was doing, but. I didn't know how to clean up a mess. I didn't know right. how to get, put a budget together and come sure. up with a selling price. And we really, you know, if you're feeling a little insecure and adequate about some of these business basics, it's why Susan and I stay so busy. I mean, this stuff is not wasn't available in sixth grade, and it wasn't available in college. Right. And so, if you don't know, you can learn it. The information is out there, but those business right. basics have to be part of it. I agree with well, you. The the uh, myth that if you do what you love, the right. money will follow. It doesn't just follow. Right. No. And, Ellen, what you just, the point you just made about, you know, your degree and working in some big, you know, companies and things and then going into your family business and going, whoa, you know, 
Um, what, what, in fact, my new book is really all addressing that transition because we're seeing so many people in situations now where they've lost their jobs. Maybe they were, you know, some high-ranking corporate executive somewhere. Well, those jobs just aren't out there and available like they were at one point in time. And even when the economy rebounds, the research shows that a lot of the um, jobs will never come back because, they're, you know, businesses have learned how to do more with less. Um, also, computers are taking over more and more of uh, linear uh, thinking functions. So, um, you know, you're going to have to learn how to be reliant on your own your own uh, ability to, to create a, a business or an income stream for yourself. And what I see is people who come out of these positions, they think they know a lot. And, they've, you know, they've had great success in whatever <laughs> position they had at big brand company. But when they get out on their own, first of all, nobody cares what you did, you know, a big brand company. But number two, they really don't have a clue what it really takes to get out there and bust it on their own and make something work and without the safety net of whatever big brand was. So it really is, you know, first of all, it's a culture shock. It's a, it's a transitional thing. And it really then says, you know, to me, how good are you? How, how, how well can you now make it on your own? And there is a, you know, there's a freedom in that. They can feel like you're, you're a little rudderless and oh my goodness. But then that's where the freedom come from, comes from. And in fact, I think if you go back to the corporate world, but you go back to the corporate world with the air of an entrepreneur, you're going to be right. of service to whatever company you join because they're out to make money. If you can help, if you can right. lead up in your position and say, hey, here's a business plan, here's a budget for this division, there right. is going to be no stopping you in that career. Oh, well, I have hey, to say, I, I, I am totally unemployable. I can never work in an environment like that again. So. <laughs> yeah, you do get, I, yeah. You know, yeah. every time I, I mean, get I off I sit around and look at those, uppity, those corporate uppity mucks, and I look at them and say, you know, if you didn't have this big office and all this stuff around you, you wouldn't make it, you know. So it is funny, I'm a little irreverent, that, yeah. Yeah, I think that every now and then I get offered a job, and now what I'm seeing is it's just the universe's way of saying, you could have a job. You know, yeah. that's just a nice, if you want one, here's one. And right. I think, nah, I don't really want one. Yeah, okay, now right. let's talk about this. Let's talk about specific to reinvention. Give me some thoughts on these two points. When is it time to throw in the towel? When do you look at a division or your company and say, okay, not working, not going to put throw good yeah. money after bad? And then what do you do to reinvent yourself from that point? So how do you, when, how do you know when to stop and what do you do to start? Well, you know, I think that, you know, there's this old saying that, you know, sometimes uh, people don't know how close they are to success when they give up in the middle. So there's really no um, scientific equation that says, here's what you need to think about when, you know, to, before you throw in the towel or, or when is this, what are the signs. But I think first, the, some of the typical things you should look for is, you know, are you still struggling in this, in, in whatever industry or business you're in and other companies like yours are rebounding and seeing success and getting in the black and, and you just can't seem to, to get turned around. Um, you know, I, the second thing would be to certainly get some professional advice, have others look at it. You know, and if people are telling you, oh, my gosh, you know, this just isn't working, your whole business model isn't working, or, you know, if you've been struggling at this for several years and you, and you can't turn a profit, then I would say that there's something definitely wrong with your business model. 
Um, you know, the old rule of thumb is the first year you lose money, the second year you break even, and the third year you hope you start to show some profit. And so if you're struggling now five years and you're still, you know, barely making it, then there's probably something wrong with your with your business model. So I think those are some of the things that you need to take a look at. And, you know, like I said, there's no right or wrong answer. There might be somebody who could come in and take a look at your business and say, you know, if you tweaked this or you tweaked that, you know, you could see a, a tremendous turnaround here. And so that's, you know, really if you're talking then about reinvention, you know, as the business owner, that's what you have to start asking yourself. If I were to start this business today, would I do it the same way? Mm-hmm. And if so, why? And you really have to step out from your role. You know, you have to see the forest for the trees and say, you know, what's the world, what's happening in the world around me? Have I kept up with market trends? Have I kept up with what's happening in the economy? And, or am I sitting back here and I'm still the buggy manufacturer when, you know, the Rolls Royces are rolling off the, 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 the manufacturing line? So, um, you know, and, and a lot of that is listening and asking customers and vendors what they see about your business. And, you know, you have to be willing to hear what you don't want to hear sometimes. And as a business owner, that's hard because it's your baby and you've nurtured it, and it's part of you, and that's all understandable, that you have to be willing to listen to the things that you don't want to hear and ask the tough questions. And, you know, does it make sense to keep doing what you're doing, or can, or should you be, you know, really shifting gears and going in other directions? You know, one of the things I've, I've started suggesting to some of my clients who are on that, you know, in that quandary, should I stay or should I go? It's sucking the life out of me. I haven't made money in so many years, et cetera. But then they don't decide, right? So there's no right. decision. So like every day they're kind of half in and half out. So right. one of the things I've started doing with clients to good effect is, okay, pick a date on the calendar. What, you know, you're not going to quit today apparently because you're here. So, when will you make the decision? A month down the road, three months, six months? Why don't we put a date on the calendar and that's going to be your decision day and you're going to decide on that day. Not today, not tomorrow, but a month from now or longer. What period of time are you willing to not ask the question, am I in or am I out, but just say, right. I am in, right. and then leave everything on the playing field between that that date and right now that mm-hmm. when that date comes, I've had people say, okay, I'm I'm okay with shutting this thing down. Or, you know what, right. without fussing about it every day and actually digging my heels in, we actually turn this sucker around, and that's a good thing, too. So, you right. know, to not torture yourself with this, I don't know, maybe I should throw in the towel. Some people spend all day in that quandary. Right, right. And, you know, I, one thing that I've been often told is uh, no decision is a decision in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you really need to examine what you're doing by your inaction as much as your action. Very good point. You know, if you've been yeah. whining about your brother for 35 years, chances are good that he's going to be around tomorrow, too. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. You know, you either get to a point where you say, I'm going to accept it the way it is, or I'm going to do something about it. It's sort of like, you know, I because I, when I was practicing law, I did a lot of divorce law and domestic things. and. You know, people would come into me. It would be the, the complaining and how bad the marriage was, and all this, that, and the other, and da 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 da. And then when it get time to either file or do something about it, they wouldn't do it. And I'm sort of like, you know, look. After a while, you either quit whining and stay where you are, 
or you do something. And that's kind of the same thing with business. You either, you know, you either decide I'm going to get out there and change it and fix it, or I'm going to quit whining about it and just accept it the way it is. I'm going to accept that I'm going to have terrible revenues this year because I'm not willing to do what it takes to, to change that picture. So giving yourself the permission and time to think about what you want. You said earlier to, to Tim, you know, to gain clarity on what do you want, not what you don't want and not what you, you know, have not been successful at, but what do you really want out of things? I, I so agree that gaining clarity makes all the difference. Tell us how right. you do that or how you counsel people to do that. Well, it is one of those things that's easier said than done, But because all of us, I think we know, we, we definitely know what we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we don't always know exactly what we do want to do. So, I, what, you know, the biggest thing for me, and I just, I just share with people what works for me, is I truly sit down with a piece of paper and I clear off my desk or I go someplace where I'm not distracted and tempted to look at, you know, emails or to take a phone call or anything. And I sit down and I say, okay, if I could design ideally what my day would look like or what, you know, I would spend my time doing or what it is that I want to do or the outcome that I want to achieve, what would that be? And I, was, and I start writing those things down. Some of them are applicable to, you know, the business and doable. Some of them aren't. So I go ahead and put them down on a piece of paper so that I understand what those things are. And then I can look at that and say, okay, how close am I to doing these things now? And what do I need to do differently that are going to bring these things to the forefront uh, in my business or in my life? And, and that, that's kind of the, the way I go through it. That's my exercise. And, and then you say, learn how to start with the obvious. What do you mean by that? Well, it, it, you start with the things that you truly enjoy and you're good at. I mean, those are the easy things, right? Um, you know, I enjoy writing, so that's that's an easy thing for me to put down. So you start with the with the obvious things. Um, but you know, then the other thing is you also in your business when you start with the obvious, you can start with your financial statements and you can look at them and you can start digging down and saying, okay. Where can I cut the fat out of this? Where where can I make changes? You know, it's so sometimes if you never really if you just kind of go through the motions every day and you're you're paying your bills or whatever, you never stop to think, do I really need this? Is there a better deal out there? Should I be shopping this around? Um, you know, where are the ways that I can manage my business better? So those are some of those obvious things. And you know, like when you're busy in the operations day to day, you don't take time to do that. So, so the obvious things are the things that you enjoy, that you do well, that you, you that bring the most value to your business. And then the obvious thing from the other side of what are the really obvious things that I'm not looking at, but that if somebody else came in and looked objectively at my business, could see immediately. That's a good way to put it, isn't it? Like you know, yeah. if you look at it, you know, um, one of my uh, friends, a great business builder named Al Levy, he has two chairs in his office, and he uses the chairs to gain perspective from the other side. So, like sometimes he sits in the chair as the customer, the customer he's trying to serve, and sometimes he sits in the chair as a business consultant. Al, this is what I think you should do. But he kind of gets perspective <laughs> that way by actually standing up and moving to the other chair to see the thing that might be right in front of him. Has he been accused of having a split personality? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's certainly yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so also, you know, we we know that at some point you can't cut yourself to health, and there may be some 
um, extra expenses or things that you're just, you know, uh, spending money money on that aren't helping the overall picture. The top line, though, to reinvent your company and to look at where where sales are, generally we've got to play offense in order to turn a company around. Right. And let's talk a little bit about pricing differently or packaging what you do differently so that as you reinvent your business, perhaps mm-hmm. your reinvention could be just a different approach to how you present your goods and services. Right. You know, that's that's really true. Let me give you a case study. Um, okay. I have a friend who is a dog trainer, and he we, we, we call him the dog whisperer of the Midwest because I live in the Midwest. So we call him the dog whisperer of the Midwest. He's, he's got a nice facility with his pack dogs and boarding and training and, you know, some grooming. And, and the pet products industry is one of the few industries that's really seeing sizable growth even in this economy. But – you know, you think of the higher-end things. So you think of, like, really specialized dog training. That's one of the things you could cut out. You know, you have to feed your dog. You have to take him to the vet. There are certain things you have to do. But that high-end dog training, you don't have to do that. So in this recession, what he was finding was his, his packages that normally sold really well just weren't selling. And he wasn't. He was getting the interest, but his conversion rate of closing those deals had really gone down. So what he did was he he looked at what was happening and he realized that one of the stumbling blocks was the cost of this major package of training. So he created smaller little packages so people could buy in little bites as opposed to the one big chunk. Here I'm doing this dog analogy here. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. So um, and you know what? It it really made a big difference because people were willing to commit to that smaller amount more frequently than they were to take that big bundle's price. So he just, you know, changed. He wasn't changing his product. He just changed how he priced it and how he how he presented it. Another uh, lady I know who has a, a date spa, um, you know, the other thing that happened in this economy was, you know, that's massages, facials, things like that could easily get cut out. Well, she didn't want to lower her pricing because that would say, you know, it's always easy to lower. It's much harder to go back up once the economy turns around. So what she did was she created express services. Um, and so these were shorter versions, less time than the other, her normal price, you know, product offerings. And, but they, and they were obviously were less expensive. And so she added those newly priced products to her, um, you know, offerings and it increased her sales. So I think that, you know, we just have to look at things in different ways. If you've always sold things outright, maybe you could open up an installment plan. If you've always sold them, maybe you look at leasing programs, you know, rental programs. There are lots of different ways. As my mother used to say, there are more than one way to skin a cat. So mm-hmm. some, sometimes the way you are presenting things can make all the difference in the world, and, and, with, and it doesn't mean that you're lowering your price. You're just offering it in different ways. I think that's really uh, clever and creative. Hey, if you're listening to Susan Solovic, I want you to check out itsyourbiz.com. And, Susan, in just a moment, we're going to talk to you about your uh, new TV show. This is so exciting. If you've got a question for Susan, we're going to be on the phone for a few more minutes. And if you're on the phone line, go ahead and raise your hand by pressing the number 1, and we'll take another question um, as we have time here before we wrap up. So, um, Susan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's interesting you now? It sounds like this uh, uh, television program has got your attention. It sounds fantastic. And what are you looking for 
to uh, to share on your show? What kind of unorthodox way of ways of doing business are you excited about um, uh, demonstrating or bragging on as you uh, <laughs> turn the focus on business? Well, you know, in the show we've really um, covered a gambit. We've been on the air since the um, first of, of August. So about a month now, and covered a lot of yeah, a lot of different things. But you know, I, what I really like to do is I love to tell small business stories, but the stories that are success stories, but that pe- other people can learn from. So each show has sort of been a, a little bit of a theme. Like for example, the first show we did was um, about twin brothers who had um, started nine years ago, started this little T-shirt business on the side. Um, part-time, and it just kept taking off. And, I mean, they got, you know, really international press and just amazing stuff that they were doing, and the business kept growing and growing and growing. And suddenly they got to that proverbial fork in the road where they had to make a decision. Do I want to just let the business stay where it is right now as this part-time initiative, or do I want to bite the bullet, quit my full-time job, and really try to do something with this business? And so they were, you know, 32 years old. They decided they were going to take that part-time business and turn it into a full-time enterprise. And um, they just made that decision earlier this year. And so they're going through all the growing pains. But the great thing that they learned was, number one, what the market wanted. They got to test their business idea. And now they're really maturing this into a full, you know, blown business enterprise. So it's a great story. And, um, you know, we talked about how beneficial that is. Um, to really kind of test the waters before you jump in and make sure that you have a viable business concept that's really going to work and that you can really make money with. Um, and, when we, you know, I've had great guests on the show. I've had um, Jill Conrath, who is the author of Snap Selling, how to, to uh, break through in this environment where everybody's just, she, she says, crazy busy and, and you just can't get your message heard. So she calls um, her book Snap Selling. It hit number one on Amazon the first day it was released. That's a great book. Um, That's Jeff- a great Jeffrey. Name. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Hazel Hazlett's going to be on an upcoming show, and he's the author of The Mirror Test, and it's all about breathing new life into your business. He's the former CMO of Kodak. Um, so we've just been really blessed with some great guests and some great stories, and they all are archived online. So after the show airs, you can go to the website, which is, it's yourbiz.com. And then also, I just want to throw out, I have a website, personal website, too, in addition to SBTV, which is susansolovic.com. And I'm also up on Facebook and Twitter, and I hope everybody will uh, uh, certainly become a fan of my fan page and follow me on Twitter and, you know, really connect with me. And if you have questions, uh, I'm always there to, to try to help and answer questions. Well, with the this has been so much fun. And with the few minutes we have left, um, look into your your own history or some of the the business stories that you've um, been associated with. When when to be unorthodox? This is one of the bullet points we have on here, and I wanted mm-hmm. to to have you explore. You know, when is it time to do something different? To start a new division? To collaborate with um, with a competitor? What are some more outrageous ways to reinvent yourself that you might want to just turn us on to today? Well, I think that in this um, world, in this environment today, um, you know, I, the thing that I find fascinating is many of the competitive collaborations that are working so well. And, you know, I, I, can, I always call that sort of unorthodox because if you 
think about it in our historical precedent of business, that would be something that no one would ever think of doing. Um, it's not really so unorthodox anymore because we're seeing it more and more and more. Um, one of the things that I see personally being in the Internet media space is, you know, a great deal of collaboration between Internet websites that provide content. Whereas it used to be you wanted to be this island in and of yourself and you wanted to grab all the eyeballs and all the, the people that you could. And now, you know, we recognize that's just not the smart way to do it. There's plenty of people out there. There's plenty of traffic. There's plenty of opportunity. And being collaborative and working together and finding your niche is really better than trying to be all things to all people and grab all the market share yourself. And so I, I, I really think that that's an interest. And we also see it when it comes to, like, federal contracting um, for small businesses because, you know, small businesses still don't get their fair share of the federal contracting uh, piece of the pie. And I think that what smart small businesses are starting to do and saying, you know, if I want to do that, what I need to do is to be able to collaborate with someone maybe who's larger, got more experience, and I won't be the prime contractor on this particular job, but I could be the sub, you know, a subcontractor, get my foot in the door. And so those are the, the kinds of, you know, kind of unique and orthodox ways that businesses are growing. And then finally, you know, I think just doing something like firing a customer. I mean, you know, there are a lot yeah. of customers and clients that we have that drain us. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes you just have to say, no, thank you, and shut the door in their face. And that takes a lot of courage. But if you're just being drugged down by somebody who is just, the miserable client of the world or even trying to go after a piece of business that, you know, you don't like the, the way, the integrity of that particular organization, being able to walk away the ta- from the table and say, okay, enough is enough because, you know what, there's plenty of other opportunity out there for me and I'm going to go find it instead of sitting here and being frustrated all the time. So I think that's that's another thing that people need to look at. That's kind of liberating, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I tell you, I've walked away. Well, listen, now as you as you have uh, taken some moments in your life to pull that blank piece of paper out and write down the things that you want, what is um, on the horizon for you? Is there is there some opportunity that you've yet to engage that still has your attention? Anything else that you'd like to share that you haven't done yet, but you'd still like to? After all, we're only middle aged here. That's right, exactly. Um, well, you know, Ellen, I think that what I would really love to ask your listeners is my goal is to um, to build, to become the sort of the branded face of small business. I always laugh and say the Susie Orman of small business. So, you know, if I could ask the support of your audience uh, to, you know, follow me on Facebook and all of those kinds of things, they would just be doing me such a great favor and, and I would hopefully be able to, to reward them by helping them in their businesses as well. Well, I feel like you are an absolute soul sister. I am all about helping people in their small businesses, too. And, Susan, what I especially love to do is help clean up financial messes, help people get to a known financial position and uh, nail down that piece of the puzzle. So if there's any way I can be of service to you, you let me know because I'll be following you. I'm your friend on Facebook. I'm your fan. Great, and, uh, great. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, toss out the same invitation to you, too, to be sure to okay. join us. And maybe we could be have you on a, a future so- show sometime because this hour went so fast. It did, Ellen. I would love to do that. And so just uh, give me a buzz any time, and uh, I'd be happy to be on with you and uh, to uh, answer questions for your audience. It was great fun. It was, a, it was a total blast. And, you know, I'm down near Springfield, Missouri. You're up in uh, St. Louis? 
I didn't know that. Yes, I really. am. I uh, I live in uh, I live on 90 acres near Rogersville, Missouri. Well, I'll be darned. I absolutely love it. I'll be darned. Isn't it a small world? Yeah, and I just, we came from Utah about 15 years ago, and I just love life in the Midwest. I tell people, you took an arrow and you shot it at the center of the country. That's where I am. Well, isn't that great? Right in the heart of America. Heart of America. But then, hey, we get to travel and we get to visit virtually, and I have been a big fan of yours. And you're a mutual friend of Nancy Michaels, one of my BFFs. Yes. Oh, yes, she's delightful. I love Isn't Nancy. Isn't she yeah. fantastic? Yeah. So uh, she's yeah. the one who said, you have to pay attention to this, Susan Solovic. She knows yeah. what's going on. So I'm glad uh, well, that uh, she introduced us. I, and I am as well. So that's wonderful. Well, I'm going to let you go. Love, love, love to you. And uh, thanks for helping our listeners. We're all about expanding peace, prosperity, and freedom through extraordinary businesses of our own. So thank you for giving us your insights today. Great. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. I'll see you soon, and I'm going to say goodbye, everybody. It's been a blast. Oh, no. We're out of time. Thanks to my uber smart guests, and thanks for joining us. You can listen in again at blogtalkradio.com slash barebonesbiz. So down with the ball and chain of 20-hour workdays and piles of debt. Make some money. Fix and grow your own extraordinary business. And until next time, this is Ellen, XOXOXO. I wish you love, peace, prosperity, and freedom.